Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. you're listening to popcorn podcast with lee and tim and this week we're reviewing marvel's eternals and joined by a special guest nick labarro and of course covering off all the latest movie and trailer news i'm tim ifland movie buff and i love to talk all things movies and today i'm joined by a very special guest Nick Labarro from Nick's Flicks Fix Podcast. Welcome, Nick. Hey, Tim. How are you? Very good. Now, I'm going to challenge you with something on the spot right here. I yes. need you to say Nick's Flicks Fix three times fast. <laughs> Nick's Flicks Fix, Nick's Flicks Fix, Nick's Flicks Fix. Uh, the tongue twister is intentional. It's to make people <laughs> really not want to say my my name or brand, apparently. <laughs> Well, it's got a certain hook to it. Um, now, I guess you've probably already realized that there's a notable voice missing from today's episode. Where's Lee? Where's my friend? Where's my co-host? Well, Nick is stepping in for Lee this episode because she's having some time off. So don't fret. She will be back next week. We will return to our normal programming. But we couldn't leave you, our loyal listener, without Marvel's Eternal. So we recruited Nick and I cannot wait to discuss what the 26th film in the MCU together? Is that what we're up to? I, th- I think so. I haven't, haven't counted to this point, but 26 is a lot considering it only started 13 years ago. Yeah, way back, Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> putting on the iron suit in 2008. Here we are, 2021. 
number 26, absolutely wild. Well, Nick, before we jump into the film, spoiler free, of course, I'm going to tell us a little about the film and who's who in the zoo. So following the events of Avengers Endgame, an unexpected tragedy forces the Eternals, ancient beings who have been living on Earth in secret for thousands of years, out of the shadows to reunite against mankind's most ancient enemy, the Deviants. So Eternals is directed by Chloe Zhao, who recently won the Best Director Oscar for Nomadland. She was only the second woman ever to win the Best Director Award, which is amazing. Uh, The screenplay is by Zhao, Patrick Burley, who was an additional writer on Ant-Man and the Wasp in the MCU, Ryan Furpo and Kaz Furpo, and this represents their first full feature for them both. So pretty exciting territory for those two screenwriters. The film stars, now I'm not going to rattle them all off because it's such an extensive uh, ensemble cast. We have Gemma Chan, Richard Madden, Angelina Jolie, Salma Hayek, Kit Harrington, and Kumar Nanjiani, among countless others rounding out the ensemble cast. Nick, Eternals, MCU, what such new rich territory for the franchise to explore a story that spans 7,000 years. That's the crazy part, is that 7,000 years, the Eternals came to Earth in 5,000 BC, according to this movie, and that's, you know, like you said, Iron Man was in 2008, is when we thought the inception of the MCU was, and then Captain Marvel went back to the 90s, and now we're going back 7,000 years, so... (laughs) There's lots of rich territory and rich history that this uh, movie explores, which I really enjoyed. I love that you brought up Captain Marvel. Going back to the 90s, we got a kick out of her smashing through blockbuster video. But here, I mean, there are many things to relate to about this film, this character, which we'll get into. But, I mean, no one's lived in Babylon or Mesopotamia (laughs) who's, who's walking this earth today. So there's such, you know, rich territory and... The Eternals, just to explain a little bit further, they're a race of immortal aliens right from the distant planet called Olympia who arrived on Earth thousands of years ago, like you said, Nick, to protect humanity from a race of alien predators called the Deviants. And they were sent to Earth by Celestials. And they're they're a race of cosmic builders who we got a glimpse of in Guardians of the Galaxy. So now we get a bigger, more in-depth glimpse at them as well. They sort of started drip-feeding it. Uh, to the audiences in, in Guardians of the Galaxy. And now, obviously, in Phase 4, they're going a little bit more of the the cosmos and galaxies and dimensions. And I think it's probably a smart way to do it. Give us 20-odd movies that are a bit more grounded superhero movies to give us a taste. And now it seems we're very much so transitioning into this a lot more galactic, like I said, celestial sort of superhero vibe. And I, I feel like this... For me, was the turning point of of the MCU. We mm. like I said, it's been drip fed, but now we're going. This is going to be what it is going forward. Dimensions and galaxies and and space as a whole. And how do you feel about that? Does that excite you on the trajectory that I feel, especially Eternals, is putting us on for the rest of Phase Four and beyond? Does that excite you? It does, and it was a it was Eternals that excited me about it because mm. I, I think a, a lot of us are just going along for the ride with the MCU. Sort of just give us what you got, and we'll try and digest it as best as we can. But if this was a different Marvel movie to me, this felt very different to a lot of things MCU have put out. And I would like it. I like where this direction's going. There's a lot of character development here. There's a lot more stakes at play now than, mm. than just a world-ending event. We now have galaxy-ending events and time as itself ending events, potentially. And that's, I think, upping the stakes like that in this way makes it a lot more 
fun and interesting, but focusing on characters like this movie mm. does, if they go, if they do more of this going forward, then there's the emotional investment as well. And I think Eternals did that incredibly well. Great to hear. Now, I want to talk about the story just as a whole. Now, of course, we're going to keep this spoiler free. So those that haven't seen the film can go and enjoy it because there's a lot of things to take in Ooh, here. Yeah. Which leads me to the plot. Did you feel at times that it was quite overstuffed? Obviously that they need to cover off literally 7,000 years of storytelling. Like it jumps around a lot, like a lot, a lot. Yes. It is the complete opposite of a linear story. And I love when films continuously uh, like lean into different timelines, like the thousands of years across history that they were a group protecting humans. And then there's one set in the present day where they are split up. They're living amongst humans on earth. Did you think that was an effective way of telling this story? I don't know if I'd say effective because as much as I did enjoy the movie, I feel like the pacing is its biggest issue. Mm. Uh, and that nonlinear approach, it works in the sense of for certain characters and certain reveals that do happen later in the film where you understand motives a little bit more. Yeah. However, sitting there and watching it, especially that first hour where it does start 5,000 years and then comes to the present. And then we go back to 1500 AD, which there's a, an event that happens with the Eternals that is sort of the catalyst for the movie. It was a little bit all over the place. And I was kind of going, Oh, are we, are we back in 5,000 now? And it, it does a good job of telling you on screen and text where we are and what's happening. But for me, it affected the pacing more than anything. By the end of the film, I'd figured out, oh, this is the structure of the film. But actually sitting there and watching it at the time, it felt a little bit detrimental for that first viewing experience. Look, I agree with you. I'm, I'm still taking this film in, really, because there's so many layers and complexities to it. Because it's going, you know that same, same, but different? Yes. It's, this film is different, different to anything yeah. in the MCU. So it was a bit of a, not a shock, but a bit of a palate cleanser to what we've seen visually in a way that, you know, the MCU and Kevin Feige has decided to kind of invite us into this world. Yeah. Um, and he's challenging us. He's challenging us as viewers. Chloe Zhao is challenging us. And we'll, we'll talk about her in a minute as, as a filmmaker. Mm. There's two things that I really liked about this was throwing to history over time now, Old Guard, that Netflix film starring Charlize Theron, yes. you know, tried but failed to kind of convince you that these otherworldly people were yeah. influencing moments in history and yep. the mythology and things of this showing up, which was a really nice layer and complexity that had me really intrigued about this film. But I love films that explore the premise of a band getting back together. Yes. And it's through this story mechanic where the Eternals have to be reunited and through that storytelling technique where you're going around the world, where they're bringing yeah. all, the, all the family back together, you get to understand them more deeply, one yeah. by one, the relationships uh, within the group, and also the the lives that they pay for themselves after they disbanded hundreds of years previously. Yeah. So I quite I was very invested in that. And I think that's in the saying that the, it's different, different, that's something we haven't really felt in an MCU film doing it within two and a half hours. We had mm. a 10, 11 year build up to Avengers Endgame with this yeah. massive crew who we were emotionally invested in. And for me, and I, I feel like it might be the same for you, Eternals did that in two and a half hours. I was really in, invested in, in these characters and I understood their motives. I understood the relationships and the dynamics between certain characters 
the family dynamic worked for me quite well. Mm. And there was there was a moment during the film where that we are going through that getting the band back together sort of thing and uh and feel free to edit this bit out if you want but i <laughs> the first thing that went into my mind was as an episode of rick and morty where they do a takeoff of a heist film yeah and it's rick getting the crew together and the montage is literally rick just walks up to people and he goes i'm doing a heist and then the person turns around and goes you son of a bitch i'm in and that's all they say it's like <laughs> five minutes straight of that and that's how i felt like i felt that same sort of joy watching that in the eternals we're going to see all these different people and then aside from one character everyone's pretty much like you know what yeah this is what our purpose is uh and we may have been sort of screwed over by this purpose and this grand scheme of things Mm. but we're a family and we're doing this together and this is what we want to do together and the fact that they got that in one movie really for me is a testament to Chloe Chow as a director and a writer but a testament to the boldness of Kevin Feige wanting to tell this story as well Absolutely. Now, as a bridge, uh, when we're going to talk about Chloe Zhao as a director, I just want to get your take on something. And I don't think this is particularly spoiler territory, but they make reference in the film about Superman and Batman. Yes. And I found that really distracting. And I kept thinking about, I spent way too much time while watching the movie. Why were they mentioning that? And uh, like, did they just throw that in there to elicit a reaction to the audience? Like I found that just strange. I feel that's surely what they were doing. They were sort of going this untouchable sort of, we can say what we want. Cause I was the same as you. It made me immediately think, Oh, so Batman and Superman as fictional characters yeah. must exist in the MCU. It must be like, there's DC movies in this world uh, to an extent, I guess. But then it's kind of funny. Then you have a lot of these, and I guess we'll talk about it with the characters. There's a lot of comparisons to, certain powers in this film and powers of characters, say, like Superman and perhaps The Flash. Absolutely. Uh, so it's kind of interesting. But I, I, I think I err on more on what you were saying. I think it's more to elicit a reaction from the superhero fans to be like, can they do that? Are they allowed to do that? So. <laughs> yeah. You can see the DCEU fans, and we respect you, uh, just going, what the hell? They can't do that. This is MCU. They can't tarnish the dark tone of the DC world. I just think it was a, a really cheeky way to just kind of fuck with people, I reckon. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I think so too. I 100% agree. Because it, yeah. it did. It fucked with me. That's the thing. I was, I was the same as you. I was sitting there. I was like, wait, wait, whoa. And they said Clark Kent. And they said Sue. And, and yes, like, they did. Yeah, which is kind of great. <laughs> yeah, which I, I feel like there were actual pockets of the film where I kind of lost focus because I was thinking too much about that. Yes. So yeah. I don't know if it served the story particularly well because my fanboy mind went blah, 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 and I was like, <laughs> hold on, hold on. No, let's focus on the task at hand, which is watching Eternals <laughs> get out of Gotham City. Um, now, Chloe Zhao as a director, she is obviously an incredibly talented Chinese filmmaker known for Academy Award winning film Nomadland. Nick, she has such an ability mm. to capture real humanity in her films a mixture of heart, brains, emotion, and she tells stories that are deeply intimate, yet we get that end somehow, a massive MCU spectacle here. The balance is unbelievable, and that's literally my first note here. I was like, Chloe Xiao has an amazing ability to capture humanity in all its forms, the good and the bad. And my biggest thing that I took away from Eternals is that it's one of the first Marvel films to focus on character over spectacle. Yes. But it's like I said, it still has that MCU spectacle, especially with the the battle scenes and all the fight scenes and action set pieces. Mm. 
But I was so much more enamored, like we've already spoken about, in the group, in the Eternals themselves and the relationships and dynamics within that group. And I think a director like Chloe Chow, who obviously Nomadland is a very intimate, raw sort of film, uh, and her other film, The Rider, is the exactly the same. It's a very close-up, intimate look at a side of humanity not many people see, and she's managed to break down superheroes to their most human form, even though the Eternals are celestial beings. Mm. The fact that they've been on Earth for 7,000 years and they have learned the human ways, and, and there's a lot of conflict for certain characters in the film with how humanity evolves that you don't really see a lot in superhero movies anymore. It's always, especially in the MCU, it's like we must protect people, whereas some characters within this go like, people are bad. Like, there are some really bad things that happen in humanity, and Chloe Chow's really just captured all elements of that very well, both in script-wise and, and her visual style. Because uniquely you've got a bunch of characters. I think there's, what, 10 within yes. the Eternals? And they've been around for 7,000 years. So if you want a snapshot of humanity mm. and how humans behave and treat each other, you lean into these people, these celestial mm. beings that have experienced life over and over and over. And you mentioned conflict. It's a huge theme of this film uh, in more facets, like multiple facets. And I think that's what the whole family dynamic works so well in. And Chloe Zhao was obviously tasked and saw an opportunity to take breaths in an MCU film that you otherwise wouldn't take breaths on to explore certain moments of conflict or angst or love or relationship or whatever that is. And I think that's a really unique point of difference in this movie. Absolutely. And I think it's something she was obviously passionate about too, because she, from what I know, and I don't know if this is the common stance with how they make Marvel movies, but she pitched Kevin Feige on this idea. She knew that they were making an Eternals movie and she came in. Yeah, she came in. She worked with one of the um, Marvel Studios producers and created a pitch and was like, we want it to be a story about humanity. We want it to be a love story. We, We still want the fun things that we love about the MCU, the action and the humor, but the forefront of the film will be aliens who are actually human, in a mm. sense, in, in an emotional way. Yeah, or, or longing to be human. Yes, More yeah. human, and exactly, to live a yeah. life of a human. Now, I was very surprised that Zoe Zhao was hired to direct. Like, on oh, yeah. paper, it's like, what the hell? But then, you know, when you experience Nomadland and then you uh, obviously make comparisons between, weirdly, Nomadland and Eternals, like what world are we living in? Yeah, right. (laughs) You think, gosh, she's perfect and she delivered such a unique perspective like you've covered off as well. So, Mm. so glad she took on on the director's chair. It was a weird weird announcement when when I first heard that anyway and Mm. I was like, oh, okay. And then when watching Nomadland late last year, I was like, God, now I'm excited for Eternals because it's, she's just a good filmmaker and that's it's proof in the pudding where if you are just a good filmmaker, you could and should be able to make any sort of film and whether it's a small independent film like Nomadland or the big budget Eternals, Chloe Chow still, she's left her stamp on it, especially mm. in a visual sense. Oh yeah, goodness me. Uh, and and her heart's in it as well, obviously. So And that's, I think, what makes a, a great movie is that if the director's passion and heart's in there, no matter what the film is, it, it can be incredibly enjoyable, heartfelt, or all the things you want in a film. This uh, episode is becoming a Chloe Zhao fan episode, I think, <laughs> very, really very is. quickly. But, you know, the cultures and landscapes explored in this mm. film are her forte. And 
my goodness me, she captures sunset to natural light like no one else. Uh, I feel like this did not have as much CGI in any, like yeah. compared to any of the Marvel films, so much of it felt and whether they've tricked me really well, whether the CGI is at this point now where I don't know what, whether I'm looking at it's real or not. Uh, regardless, there's this visual flair, like I said, the sunsets are beautiful, especially when they're in Australia, the movie yeah. at one point goes to <laughs> Outback Australia and that would look beautiful. And then there's a sort of a, a forest wood sort of mm. set where it's a bit of a darker moment in the film and the lights really not captured. It's not a overly lit CGI heavy backlot sort of vibe. I felt like I was trapped in the woods, in the forest with these characters. And that's just an, a her visual style is phenomenal. Wide lenses, lots of wide lenses yes. to capture the scenery. And then when things start getting real emotional, she just goes straight up and is like, very claustrophobic with characters like i feel yeah. very close to them so she she knows what you know how to capture those aspects incredibly well i love that you said that you felt tricked mm. that whether it was real or cgi yeah. or that balance and bloody hell like how many movies do, do we see how many movies have there been that we've had the privilege of watching and to think that even still after all this time yeah. you're like how did they do that yeah. what oh. was that real was that and i think that's just God, that how it just keeps movies fresh. It's why I bloody yeah. love them so much. It's, it's and it's um, so refreshing to see directors and filmmakers who want to keep pushing those boundaries. There's a mm. we won't. I won't go too far on it. But there's another movie I saw <laughs> recently where there's one scene in it where I've gone, that's just filmmaking at its finest. Like that, that is still things that are happening in 2021 after we've had over a hundred years of movies. I've been mm. watching movies my whole life, and there's still a moment that can make me go, holy shit. And that's incredible. And I think Eternals definitely has that, uh, especially visually. I could not agree more. Bloody live for that shit. Now, (laughs) uh, moving on to characters and performances. Now, there's a lot here, so we'll touch on these a little Mm. bit. But I wanted to start with a quote from Nate Moore, who's one of the producers on Eternals. And he talks about the decision to introduce these fascinating new characters to the MCU by saying, we want audiences to discover a corner of the Marvel universe they've never seen before. He goes on to comment, we want them to discover a mythology that is a challenging sci-fi movie, but also has a human heart, which we've touched on multiple times already. And we want them to meet 10 heroes who they hopefully can relate to. Did you relate to these characters? I think relating in a sense, yes, there's definitely one character who I'm like, oh, that's that's me. Uh, like mm. I make those sorts of decisions as well. But then to be able to be emotionally connected to 10 characters and, and like any sort of film, you you are more connected to other characters than others. Yeah. But at least on in Eternals, there is 10 people I genuinely cared about yeah. from beginning to end. And it's like that it's an ensemble cast and it's not always easy. I You think back to other ensemble casts, like me, like Ocean's Eleven. I don't care about everyone in that film. Great movie. Love it. But I don't care about everyone in that film. Whereas in this moment, I'm having so much visceral reactions to everyone mm. on the screen. I think to pull that off is incredible. And there's something for everyone like to relate to as well. Everyone feels so unique in this movie. Yeah. It's the most diverse cast in the MCU in terms of like gender, ethnicity yeah. and sexual diversity, which yes. is a refreshing and important shift. Mm. And that is what I think I love most about this film, to be honest. Yeah. It is a film about humanity and that is reflected on screen through the casting. What a wild concept that is. <laughs> Who would have thought, hey? Wow. And, and, and the other thing as well, uh, touching on that, is it never once feels 
and this, I don't understand how these are complaints that people are making, but it never feels forced. It's never detrimental to the story as if it would be anyway. But this is the thing, like you said, it's just humanity. It's just yeah. who we are as people. Everyone's different. Everyone's unique. God forbid that we put that in a, in a high grossing Marvel franchise film well, uh, yeah. to have that relatable aspect and to have that pure and true reflection of who we are as people. I mean, the fact that we're in the 26th film within a franchise and we've only just had the first ever sex scene. I know. Yeah, I'm like, where's the sex been? Where's the sex? Not to be <laughs> overly crude and raunchy, but I'm like, that was, it was cute. It was nice. It was a love-making scene. Uh, you know, <laughs> I like, there's, there's superhero films that have, uh, case in point, Watchmen that have sex in it so and it's and i you understand it to a point where it's marvel's also a family franchise they have to make these films uh, to an to an extent but if that's the level of what they're going to show then it's it's well i guess we haven't had like any true true love stories apart from captain america and peggy carter yeah that's right until now so it's nice that we are able to actually witness characters who are able to physically love each other yeah as well but I love that there's a big uproar about it being the mom's first sex scene. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of great. Oh, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. And if, <laughs> you were saying like um, that you relate to certain other characters, but for me personally, as a gay mm. man, you know, mm. the first representation of, uh, of an yeah. LGBTQ yeah. plus, you know, character, yeah. a gay kiss in there, they're representing a family unit. Like that's yeah. just beautiful. And fuck me, Nick, like if I was a kid <laughs> growing up and there was a gay yeah superhero movie in the in the mid 90s or early noughties like that would have changed my life like this film will change some kids lives for that reason alone multiple other reasons for the representation it's a tough one where you kind of go people are always coming up and being like having having to make a big deal out of this like that's the part that sucks the most it Mm. should just it should just happen it this is like i said it's a reflection of humanity in all its forms whether it's you know we're evil humans doing war shit or we're just actually all unique humans who have hearts and, and souls and, and forward-thinking minds of their own, that should be what we're focusing on and it shouldn't have to be spectacle. It should just be yeah. what it is. But the fact that it's actually happening now is yes. fantastic. you got to think like like Black Panther as well, the first massive black superhero and, and what yeah. that was was to uh, the black community is incredible. And now we're seeing that as well with, with Fastos who... Firstly, the smartest character in the Eternals, like he's the inventor, he's, you know, yeah. and then the absolute nonchalantness of he's just going home to his husband and his kid yeah. and they just live a pure family life. It's just so, no- it's normal. You know what yeah. I mean? And it's beautifully realized in the film. Beautifully realized. To come across as normal and natural. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and all the spectacle and all the tomfoolery about it is happening yeah. outs- outside the film with... Uh, no. Within humanity, uh, were, were there any were there any standout characters or performances that you want to talk about? I want to talk about Gemma Chan as yeah. Cersei because this the story revolves around her because it's her hero's journey. She's the one mm. going from the I don't know if I can do this to the I have to do this task sort of journey, and to stand out in an ensemble cast of ten people is not an easy thing to do, especially when you have names like Salma Hayek and Angelina Jolie, yeah. and Richard Madden. Who are they? Who, yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> just these little up-and-coming indie stars. Up-and-comers, yeah. So I think Gemma Chan was uh, amazing to be able to ha- hold the story on her shoulders, but then I'd be remiss to not bring up Kamal Nanjiani because yeah. he is hilarious. He's funny in everything he does, 
But my biggest thing, and I don't want this to be a spoiler, but it's not anything for the story. He obviously got jacked for this movie, right? So jacked. He doesn't get his shirt off once. I know. What was that about? Like, where was his Chris Pratt gun into the galaxy moment? Where was his, where was his moment? Where was his Sim, Simu Lu, yeah. you know, Shang-Chi <laughs> moment in the cage? Come on. Justice. <laughs> Would you almost feel like I did all this work to not have it show? Maybe that's why he put the photo up. Maybe he knew that as shirtless scene was getting cut. He's like, I've seen a cut of the film. Chloe's like, I couldn't fit your shirtless shot in there, mate. I was like, we, the people aren't ready. <laughs> We've only just introduced a gay character in the MCU. They're not ready for you, Kamal. Though it's like, it's, yeah, I don't know. Do you know what I see happening in the future? Hopefully, I'm putting this, I'm manifesting it, that there's yeah. going to be some sort of gun show between him and Thor. Like, they ha- like please. Oh, my God, yes. They have to meet. Please. They were they were all photographed together at Comic Con when they first announced Eternals. So okay, fingers crossed. Hey, maybe the manifesting was happening before you even knew it. Look, or maybe I just know. Maybe I just maybe. know. <laughs> it's celestial. Maybe you're an Eternal. Maybe we don't. I had a quick <laughs> chat with Chloe just before this. <laughs> like I wish. Um, another standout for me. You've covered off like all, all the main players there, and you know Angelina Jolie was very different sort of offered a very different sort of yeah. performance here uh, as Thena, a powerful fighter and warrior. Her, I, I wanted more about her story though. I feel like there yeah. was a lot of complexity in there that we didn't quite get to get mm. uh, visibility on. But uh, Leah McHugh, who plays Sprite, was especially towards the end of the film. I just fell in love with her so yeah. much. Yeah. There's a very challenging storyline with Sprite mm. as well in the sense that she is 7,000 years old trapped <laughs> in a kid's body, really, yeah. you know, and the complexity of the story where she, there's a certain romantic element, I guess, mm. to her character as well, which initially you kind of go, that's uncomfortable. And then you go, yeah. oh, that's the point. Like, that's exactly why we're supposed to be challenged by this. And I think that was done incredibly well uh, in the film. And then as well, while we're talking about uh, representation again, Laura Ridloof as Makari is the first deaf yes. superhero as well, which uh, has a great sort of side off with Druig and is, she's in the climax of the film, sort of one of the main characters who has to stop, you know, events X, which we won't like spoil, but uh, I think she also adds a lot of heart to the film as well. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, the, the, talking about representation, we could go on and on because it's yeah. such a beautiful thing to talk about. But you've got multiple languages, subtitles, you have sign language as a result yeah. of, of her character. Like, it's just fantastic to see. And you're yeah. kind of wondering why we haven't got something like that in the MCU uh, yeah. already. But shall we jump into effects, cinematography, costumes and sets, you know, all those things that inherently blow the lid off in MCU yeah. movies. What stood out for you? For me, the thing that stood out the most was the fight scenes or the action set pieces. Mm. They didn't have the Marvel sheen to them. They're these sort of more gritty, a bit more brutal moments of violence, especially with uh, Icarus, Richard Madden's character, who is the Superman-esque character of the film. He can fly, he he can shoot lasers out of his eyes and stuff. And there's one moment which I don't know if it actually is a nod to The Revenant, but he's being attacked by a deviant and there's a sort of low angle, really sort of grotesque camera shot of the deviant trying to eat his face while he's trying to turn his head to laser beam. And it reminded me of the bear scene from the Revenant. That is brutal. And that's, and that's exactly what, when I thought, Oh, that looks like the Revenant. I'm like, Oh wow. This is a bit of a 
step up in the the violence isn't necessarily more gory or bloody or anything like that but there is just a bit more of a grittiness to it that marvel hasn't really done it's less which is ironic saying because they're superheroes it's less stylized in some moments yeah um but then you get those marvel moments where you know uh kamal Nanjiani's character kingu has he literally shoots laces out of his fingers <laughs> which, which is what has... every kid wishes that they could do <laughs> yeah. you know i think he was he probably was saying pew 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 the whole time as well <laughs> i i would be doing that uh so there's it's a good balance of icarus having these really brutal fight scenes and then then there's still the marvel aspect of like there's some fun elements to the action and the violence as well but that's where i noticed the biggest difference visually for me yeah I'm going to digress for a hot minute here, but mm. uh, I believe there's a story that you, when Ewan McGregor uh, joined the Star Wars franchise and he's playing <laughs> Obi-Wan and obviously fights with lightsabers, he's a yeah. Jedi, he was saying that he was making the <laughs> noises and George Lucas had to set him aside going, you don't need to make the noises, we add that in in post. <laughs> so, and he's like, oh, that's how they make movies. <laughs> yeah, pew, 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 like coming out of the fingers, like you just see that happening. Yeah, I'd have some fun with that. I would too. Well, look, Eve Stewart, who was a production designer, had a mammoth task on her hands considering the incredible scale and scope of this film. They worked over five sound stages at Pinewood Studios in London and they built over 130 sets. And, of course, they filmed a considerable amount of this film on real locations. Like, holy heck. That's insane. And Mm. when you even hear 130 sets that they had Mm. to build... That seems like a standard now as well, but the fact that they went out and still made the effort to do those on-location sets is just amazing. And that's why it, it looks different. It feels different. There is mm. a the good, different, different that Eternals brings to the MCU, for sure. Yeah. The synergies, Nick, between the costumes, the weapons, mm. the production design and effects is so coherent. Everything yeah. talks to each other. Everything yeah. is married together. It's just the synergies there I was just like, wow, what a coherent way to showcase like the Eternals own culture and then how that weaves into human culture. And oh my God, I could just go on and on. It was just beautiful visually in so many ways. And that's Chloe Zhao. Like we're going to harp on her again. She, she has the ability to capture that in film. Uh, I think there's a, there's a certain scene where we see the Eternals suit up before their, the third act. And even just that, I remember sitting there and just being a little bit mesmerized by it. And yeah. it's it's not like a it's not the Batman Forever click the utility belt, you know, pull up the pants, bat nipples, all that sort of thing. <laughs> it's literally a, it's literally just like this ball of energy hits their chest and then their suit comes on. And I was enamored by something that simple, and it felt they felt like a family of superheroes. Like I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Yeah. Look, I love me a hero shot as well, but I lost count how many there were in this film. So they There's did lean into that whole, like <laughs> yeah. stand in this perfect line and yeah. all broody. Yeah. And I was like, okay, are we up to number five here? But I fucking love that. They've stuff. had 7,000 years to perfect it. They know what they're doing. They're just- <laughs> yeah, it was kind of- you have somebody in the back going, five, six, seven, yeah. eight. <laughs> <laughs> they all bow at the end. <laughs> oh God. So good. Well, what do you reckon, Nick? Do you think we've covered everything off and we can give our closing statements and rating for Eternals? I think we can. I'm ready to go. Well, please be my guest. You can kick things off. For me, the Eternals, like I said, is character over spectacle. It focuses so much on the humanity of an intergalactic species that it makes you reflect on your own position in humanity. While at the same time being a human story, there's so many elements 
of the MCU that it captures well. The action is fun. It's a bit different. There's still the humor in there, especially with Kamal Nanjiani. So it's a great mix of everything we love about the MCU and things that we might have to look forward to in the future. It's the turning point, not just of phase four, but of the MCU in a whole. And I'm going to give it three and a half out of five. Love that wrap up, Nick. Is there anything left for me to say, but I'll give it a shot. (laughs) Eternals is not the film you'd expect to pop up in the MCU, but I'm so glad that it has. I'm not sure we are prepared for what's coming and how this film will influence the trajectory of this franchise in phase four and beyond. But did it pay off? Yes, there were times that I felt it wasn't as effective as it could have been because it's just so very dense. But what I have come to realize here is that it is still growing on me and I'm becoming more and more fond of it over time. Chloe Zhao is a master filmmaker and somehow manages to maintain her ability to tell intimate stories, but on such a grand scale here. The MCU is maturing and I applaud this film for its diverse cast and representation above all else. So I am also, Nick, going to rate Eternals three and a half popcorn kernels. Well, you can catch Eternals in Australian cinemas right now. All right, Nick, let's jump into our news and trailer section. I'd love you to join me on this journey if you can jump in and and share the load with me. So let's start with a, a reveal this week that Will Farrell turned down a $29 million offer for an Elf sequel. What the hell? Well, he was quoted as saying that he would have to promote the movie from an honest place, which would have been, oh no, it's not good. I can't turn down that much money. And then he actually thought, well, could he say those words? His actual quote was like, can I actually say those words? I don't think I can. So I guess I can't do the movie. Look, I love Will Ferrell even more, despite how much I would just adore an elf too. Mm. You know, it goes back to the thing of if the story isn't right, like why would you do it? So I'm glad he's got that sentiment about the whole thing. And I don't know if you've seen the Netflix show, The Movies That Made Us, but they do an episode on Elf. And the way they captured that that film and the magic, it's it's actually kind of like an independently financed film. Yeah. Uh, So the the way they captured that magic, the fact that they were going to offer him $29 million, which was pretty much almost the budget for the first one, yeah, you know what were they going to sacrifice to make that sequel? And I'm I'm glad as well that he turned it down. A very good point. Now Jim Carrey, we're going to talk about him right now. He's reportedly being cast as supervillain Modok in a number of Disney Plus series, including She-Hulk, alongside Tatiana Maslany. Within the comics, Modok was an AIM scientist named George Tarleton who mutated to have a freakishly large head after undergoing experimentation to increase his intelligence. He's a villain who often goes up against Captain America. God, this uh, this screams Jim Carrey from my perspective. If yeah. you remember in the films, we were introduced to AIM in Iron Man 3 under the leadership of Aldrich Killian. Wasn't that Guy Pierce? Was that his character? That was Guy Pierce. Yeah. It was. I, I really wish he would come back into the MCU in some way. I liked his character. This could be his way in. Someone's going to mm. work with Modok potentially. And they made the Modok uh show on hulu have they uh that came out earlier this year it was an animated one with pat oswald so it was disconnected from the mcu okay and that sort of crazy humor that it goes for really i think jim carrey will fit that mold as well i was so impressed to see him play the villain in sonic the hedgehog absolutely i'm thinking yes mate pick this one up as well (laughs) Uh, it's got his name written all over it 
Now, uh, speaking bloody hell, there's everyone who's in the MCU is in our news today. So Chris <laughs> Pratt, fresh off the announcement, he'll be the voice of Mario in the upcoming Super Mario Brothers animated feature. Will also lend his voice to Garfield in a new film based on the iconic comic strip. Pratt's no stranger to animated projects, having starred in Disney Pixar's Onward and the beloved Lego Movie franchise. He's filling big shoes here, though. Bill Murray previously voiced the cat iconically in two films in the early noughties. So this is big shoes for him to fill. Big shoes to fill. I mean, the films, the Bill Murray films weren't great. No. Uh, They still made bank, so that's why they kept making them. But yeah, Chris Pratt, is he ever going to return to live action filmmaking or is he just going to be behind the microphone? He's figured out the this key to success, make money, just <laughs> do a couple of voice, big voice acting roles for the rest of, your, rest of your year. Power to Pratt. Well, uh, still in MCU land with Robert Downey Jr. and Matt Damon are set to join the cast of Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer with Cillian Murphy and Emily Blunt, who were previously uh, announced as joining the film a couple of months ago, I think. This will be Nolan's follow-up to the 2020 epic Tenant which divided audiences and critics. The film will tell the story of American scientist J. Robert Oppenheimer and his role in the development of the atomic bomb, and it's slated for a 2023 release, which this sort of feels a little different to uh, Nolan's usual spectacle, I guess. It seems like it's going to focus. I'm sure we'll get some IMAX-filmed nuclear testing scenes. Oh, yeah. But story-wise, it feels like it's going to be a little bit more personable and about characters, which no discredit to Nolan, is not something he's normally great at, is characters. He's really great at making blockbuster popcorn movies that are visually great. Uh, So this one will be interesting. Yeah, I'm keen for it. bit nervous because Tenet I was not a fan of. So I I think he is having a bit of a palate cleanser here for obvious reason, and I think that will serve his audience as well. And then under the new production company with Universal as well. Yes. So it'll be interesting to see how much free reign or potentially like thereof he'll get, which I'm assuming it'll probably be the former. I, I think Christopher Nolan is a filmmaker like countless others. We won't go in into detail because <laughs> we'll go down this <laughs> rabbit hole, but has absolute free reign with, with his relationship with studio. So I'm sure that will follow him at, at Universal like he had mm. with Warner Brothers. Now we got another trailer for Morbius this week starring Jared Leto as biochemist Michael Morbius who tries to cure himself of a rare blood disease, but he inadvertently infects himself with a form of vampirism instead. Uh Uh-oh. It offers a much more in-depth look at the film and the design of the blood-sucking Leto. I mean, talking like Jared Leto loves to get his shirt off when he's jacked. We've seen that a few times in previous trailers, but we got a real good look at his character. Do you like how Morbius looks? I'm obsessed. I am too, because... When the trailer came out and everyone was uploading it to their social media feeds and I'm scrolling through, the opening shot, the the teaser, five-second teaser before the trailer, scared me. It was a face I didn't <laughs> expect to see. And I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, that's Morbius. Uh, so I like his design. I think it looks fantastic. The blend of, obviously, prosthetics and CGI that they've used. And then, like I says, the much more in-depth look, we get to see a bit more of his powers as well. So he's got the sonar radar sort of thing which yes. he calls a bat radar in the trailer so he does are like... we getting some more dc-ish crossover <laughs> sort of things uh and obviously his ability to fly as well well nick production has officially begun on hocus pocus 2 set 29 years after the black flame candle was lit and resurrected the evil sanderson sisters 
Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Kathy Najimi reprise their roles as the trio of witches hell-bent on revenge and wreaking havoc. They are joined by Whitney Peake, Lilia Buckingham, and Melissa Escobedo as three teenagers in present-day Salem who incite the wrath of the Sanderson sisters. God, I cannot wait for this sequel almost 30 years after we don't have to wait too much longer hocus pocus 2 is coming to disney plus exclusively next year in 2022 you feeling excited about this one tim i hate to break your heart (gasps) don't you do this to me you're a guest on this podcast i know and you'll never invite (laughs) me back on i've never seen hocus pocus oh okay i thought you were gonna say you didn't like it Okay, I'm less upset. No, so that would have been worse. That would have been worse. <laughs> you should you should hear the list of iconic films that I haven't seen. So, you know, pot kettle here. If I didn't like Hocus Pocus, if I hadn't liked it, I probably just would have hung up and walked away. I wouldn't want to put you through that. Uh, so I haven't seen it. However, there is so much hype behind this. Everything, yeah. Everyone who was excited for this film... Is hell-bent excited on it. So it's going to leave me no choice but to watch it before <laughs> the sequel comes out. And Disney throwing their money around, bringing back Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Kathy Najimy as well. Bringing all three of them back for this film is a huge play. Yeah, you couldn't do it without them. Absolutely. No. Nick, Gal Gadot will play the evil queen in Disney's live-action remake of Snow White alongside Rachel Ziegler, who will be seeing very soon in Steven Spielberg's West Side Story out in December as Snow White, with production expected to begin next year in 2022. Benj Pasek and Justin Paul of La La Land and The Greatest Showman fame are writing new songs for the movie amongst all the live-action remakes happening at the moment. The studio has really been taking their time to get this one right. There's a lot of pressure considering the original movie in 1930 was Disney's first animated feature and a huge success for the studio. Massive, massive success. I am very excited that Gal Gadot is taking on this role. I think she's perfectly cast. Rachel Ziegler is uh, stunning and I can't wait to see what she brings to the table in West Side Story. A lot of pressure on this one, like you said. She's the highlight of the trailer of West Side Story, so that makes me excited, the fact that she's got a got a cause in for something as iconic as Snow White, and you're right, the, the casting here is just perfect. As much as I love La La Land, and I'm not the biggest fan of The Greatest Showman, I have to admit, the songs in The Greatest Showman are fantastic, so the fact yeah. that we brought up Pasek and Paul to write some new songs for this kind of also adds to that excitement. I mean, this is in Disney's wheelhouse. They always get the musical elements right in their films, so no surprise there. Well, our final piece of news for the episode, Nick, is about the highly anticipated Wicked film adaptation of the hit Broadway musical, which made casting waves this week with the announcement of who will be playing Elphaba and Galinda. Who, who have we got? Cynthia Erivo is turning green for Elphaba and Ariana Grande will be as popular as ever playing Galinda, which Cynthia Erivo is stunning. She's incredible. She's amazing. And her singing scene alone in Bad Times at the El Royale makes that movie. So I'm so excited to see her in Wicked. I think this is just stunning. I'm on the fence about Ariana Granola. Yes. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> but look, I'm I, I always love to be proved wrong. Yes. And and I, I know it's in good hands because Wicked is directed by John M. Chu, who recently helmed in the Heights, which is a stunning piece of cinema celebration of 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 representation as well. And Wicked tells the story of how a green skinned woman framed by the Wizard of Oz becomes the wicked witch of the West. 
Huge fan of the Broadway show. Yep. And this film has been coming and coming and coming. And this is a massive step in the timeline of this film mm. going into production with the announcement of who Alphaburn and Galinda are. And yeah. yeah, I can't believe we're finally here. It's crazy how long it's taken. And it's funny that this is the news that came up because not three nights ago, uh, my partner and I were talking about She's a massive fan of musicals and is and yeah. loves the fact that Wicked is one of the, it's one of her favorite shows. And we were talking about are they ever going to make this movie? It's just been in production hell. And yeah. then two days later, we get this casting news, and I sent it to her, and she she was the same. Ariana Granola, not not <laughs> as excited. But when I told her Cynthia Erivo was uh, playing uh, Elphaba, she was ecstatic. So I think we are taking steps in the right direction to actually get this adaptation made. Well, Nick. Take a breath. We made it, mate. Another jam-packed episode of Popcorn Podcast (laughs) with Lee and Tim featuring Nick Labarro. Mate, where can people find you? Best place to find me is on Instagram at Nick's Flix Fix. I do 60-second movie reviews on there. So jam-packed episode here, and I like to jam-pack my reviews into 60 seconds through there. But then I also do uh, written reviews on NovaStreamNetwork.com and CRPWrites.com. And I have a podcast as well called Monthly Movie Marathon. You can find all the links in the uh, Instagram bio. So you have a lot of free time. Is that what you're saying? You don't do much. I, you know, (laughs) I do a lot with movies. (laughs) (laughs) What better way to live a life? Come on. That's what we're here for. I love it. Well, mate, it's been an absolute privilege. Thank you so much for joining me. It was such a great episode and I hope you enjoyed it listening at home or wherever you are. Well, guys, as always, thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you next time. Come and join in the conversation. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at Popcorn Podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.